Random Alien Brain Droppings. I'm Suzanne Chancellor. Tonight's show is geared towards the ET experience, or if you would like to call it the abduction scenario, whatever you'd like to call it. I felt that it's it's really interesting that a lot of the experiencers I've spoken with also have gone into alternative healing methods. Now, I don't know how many of you out there have that had happened to yourself, but for me, I find myself delving into that, and so I would really like to give a lot of energy to that part of the phenomenon, as I feel that there is something happening with the uh, conscious awakening here, and how these things might be able to enhance whatever horrible is going here on this earth, as we all know, there's just, I mean, you look around you, and our earth is, is deteriorating, and anything that we can do to bring positivity back into our lives and to the earth, I think, is definitely needed, especially with the new awakening that's upon us. Tonight's guest is Judy Carroll. Now, Judy Carroll joins us from Australia. I am so glad that I've actually had so many contacts from all over the world. Last night it was Sweden, and who knows where it's going to be next week, but proof be told here that it's not just where you are, it's everywhere that these things are happening. It's global. So that being said, I would like to welcome Judy. Judy, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? Very well, thanks, Suzanne. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm just so excited to speak with you. I mean, what you're doing now and how you're helping people in this world that we live in in a positive way, I commend your efforts for that because there needs to be a lot more people like you out there to share this. And, and taking the time, your own precious time to do this is, is just well commended. So thank you again for, for sharing that. Now, I know that you've also written a couple of books, which I would like to talk about this evening. But before I go there, I really would like to know a little bit more about who you are, what your message is, and why you're doing what you're doing. I think it's fascinating. Okay, Suzanne. Well, look, I probably am best to start off just talking about how I came into this. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my back, back background experience as far as having ET contact. I've actually had contact since I was very, very young. I'm 60 years old now, so I have many, many years of this type of experience behind me. And um, I'd just like to put in, before I go any further, my experiences have always been positive. Um, I know people have a lot of fear and connection with ET contact, and I would like to just make uh, it clear that there is a lot of disinformation out there. Uh, my contacts have been with the Greys or the Zetas um, all my life, and it's always been extremely positive. Um, I'll talk in a, in a couple of minutes about a very, very major contact I had at 30 years old, which absolutely turned my whole life around. Um, probably the first conscious experience I can remember is when I was probably about three years old, being taken up the road to board a train by a very tall, thin lady, grandmother-type figure, who held me by the hand and, and um, took me to the end of our street. It was many, many years before I came to understand that this train station experience was actually a screen image. Many people have um, experienced these screen images in connection with ET contact. Mm -hmm. um, what the ETs do, they, they'll put this into our mind to assist us to be able to cope with an otherwise what could potentially be a traumatic experience. 
Um, you know, I mean, for a three-year-old child to be taken by, by an ET person onto a disc would have been very, very frightening. I was actually going through a lot of fear at that time. Um, but by, by putting the screen image in my mind, it was actually a very enjoyable experience. And it was quite funny because I asked my real-life grandmother, who was living with us at that time, to please take me again. I wanted to go on this train again. And, of course, she had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and I was told I was just a dream, dear. You know, and that didn't really happen. But yeah, for, the, for the next few years, um, as I was growing up, I really... Uh, had great trouble getting my head around this because I knew that there was a train station up the end of our street, but I also knew that there wasn't one. And it took me many years to come to this understanding that it was actually two, um, like an overlay, two experiences happening in one. <laughs> wow. I just, that's amazing. Judy, I literally, I, I hope you don't mind me interrupting you right now. But no, no, look, please, go ahead. I just literally completely resonated with everything you just said and it almost took my breath away no it did take my breath away because I actually I'm almost in tears because uh, this never happens to me I just want you to know um <laughs> I this show I'm doing this for this reason that is because there are many of us out there that have had these experiences with the grays and you were probably one of the blessed ones that did not have the trauma that was associated and if you did it was a screen memory, or they blocked that memory by giving you this image. Yes. And and for me, I, I it was very traumatic. And so just that whole scenario with you, with the grandmother, having to be pleasant, you know, giving you that feeling that to trust, to have no yeah. fear, you know, because it is the fear element that that keeps coming up. I I found talking to other experiencers, and so that that's just really you know, wanting to get that out there to other people who might be uh, joining in with this resonance of having this scenario with a gray where it's not what it seems. It's very much that way, Suzanne. Um, I've been actually reading quite a few of Dolores Cannon's books lately, and um, I don't know probably people are aware of the fact she does her hypnotherapy in a slightly different way to what most people do. She takes people through to the superconscious rather than the subconscious. And this has come up again and again in her work that um, in many cases where there's fear to do with ET contact is that it's actually the person's own subconscious that's, um, how can I say, it's like a, a blurred lens. Mm -hmm. And it's their own subconscious that sort of changes the story to make it appear frightening to them. But what she's finding, if she can get past this to the superconscious, then they come to understand the whole scenario at a deeper level. Now, as an example for myself, I've never been hypnotized, but I have um, fairly conscious memories of it. As a child, okay, apart from this experience of the train station, I was absolutely terrified. I could not go to sleep on my own until I was about 10 or 11 years old. Um, I talk about it now, but as a child, I was really embarrassed about it. Mm -hmm. I had a terror that somebody was going to come into the house to take me. I had a terror of dolls, of eyes, of puppets, clowns, all those sort of classic fears. I came to find out many years later, they're classic fears that children have and, and some adults of uh, those ones who have had contact with the greys because many of the greys do work with a sort of a puppet-like body that's not quite, it's like an artificial body. And, you know, it's very hard for the human uh, mind to sort of get itself around this, and it can be terribly frightening. 
And I didn't recover from that fear until I was an adult. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm hearing that because uh, I have a daughter who I had a shared experience with when she was three. And I never, I always laughed at her because she was always afraid of clowns. Yes, yes. And to this day, and she's 26. Yeah, so. I, I still don't like them. I'm 60 and I still don't <laughs> like them. <laughs> so now the Zeta message. Now the Zetas are obviously the greys. And, and pardon me for sometimes I might sound like I don't really know a, a whole lot about this. And that's pretty true because I've just started my own research for the past two and a half years or so. So... Um, the Zeta message was the message that came to you from the Greys, and, and you spoke about Dolores Cannon and the superconscious. Well, I am familiar with that because I, I too just started reading her book, and and I think you had mentioned this prior with me, and that was when she does her regression, she goes past to the superconscious, and when you're saying that, it goes past the fear scenario and, and getting past to where you are in that moment and getting past to who you were before this. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. It, it, it's like you know, getting right through to the truth, the, the greater reality of the situation. Right. So you're connecting with your superconscious self that existed in that as an energy before you came into this human body vehicle here on Earth. Yes, that's right. Um, what what is important to understand, and this is one of the main teachers that the uh, teachings that the Zetas try to get across, is that we are much more than just a physical flesh and blood body. We, we are multi-dimensional beings, so we have a physical body, but we also have a spirit, we have a soul. You know, we're a much, much greater um, um, entity than just a physical form. And, and there are parts of ourselves that we could think of as, you know, that, that's the part of it that's the God essence that has a much deeper understanding of these things. And it's actually at this level where we choose to have contact with the greys or whoever, in the coming life. It's like a between life um, uh, agreement that's made when we're ready to take another step in our, our evolution because that's what the whole thing, the whole contact scenario is about that, assisting humans to evolve to a higher level. And when we feel we're ready, we make an agreement with, particularly with the greys because that's their specific job, to come and uh, have these contact experiences with us. So now I'm, I'm curious how you feel about um, this scenario. So I'm thinking now, as I'm reading Dolores's book and, and about this whole thing, is that now we've made this choice to choose this path, and in that uh, choice, we also choose the path to be in contact with them throughout this life experience. Is that correct? Yes, yes, right. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, I wonder. For me, I, I have some feelings about that um, a little bit further, but for you, now you're mentioning um, in your book that now you also feel about your connection with the Zetas is that we are possibly Zetas here as well. Yes, absolutely. There are a number of people down here or a number of Zetas down here who are working now through human physical containers. We refer to the body as a container because that's what it is. It's like a container for the spirit and soul. And yes, there are a number of, of Zetas down here working in this way now. Um, the, the difficulty has been in the past with communication because the Zetas communicate when, they, when they're in their own environment up on the ship, they generally communicate telepathically. And when a human, an Earth human is in a state of fear, they cannot pick up on this 
telepathic communication because to pick up on telepathic communication we need to be at least in an alpha brainwave state mm -hmm. so when the zetas are trying to communicate it's almost like they're communicating on one radio station and the person right. tuned into another one i get uh, that yeah and i have actually experienced this myself up on the disc as a Zeta trying to communicate with someone and the frustration of not being able to. And so that's why now a number of, of us are coming down here working as humans so that we can relate to humans on their own level and also just get to understand what's going on down here a bit more clearly. So then now when you say that you're communicating telepathically uh, with the Zeta now, would that be akin to, for example, a lot of people are going into um, getting really into meditating and, 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 and getting into that different mind state where they do uh, have more of a direct communication per se because they are communicating directly with something other than this. Now, and, and I say a lot of times, uh, you know, the whole religious phenomenon, okay, I'm going to say phenomenon because it's something that we've created for our own benefit, um, but, but prayer, praying to God, um, getting into that that mindset, you know, um, where you are thinking of direct communication with something that's otherworldly, would you uh, compare it to that? Oh, look, absolutely, Suzanne. The Zetas told me once, and I, I love this. Um, they said that prayer is talking to God, meditation is listening to God, and I think that is the most amazing um, e explanation. They actually, I, I had a very profound encounter at age 30 in which I was actually instructed to start learning to meditate. Um, up until then, I'd been a very physically oriented person. I, I was actually a professional dancer. I come out of a, a Spanish gypsy background. Nice. And I have a great grandmother who was a flamenco dancer and I followed in, in this path. So I'd been a very physically oriented person as a professional dancer. And at age 30, I had a very profound experience in which I saw two Zetas standing beside the bed in absolute full third dimensional reality. And a message was given to me that I needed to learn to meditate. And because I was a dancer, they um, advised me to go in via Tai Chi, which I had never even mm. heard of back then. And it was several years later when the opportunity was given to me to learn Tai Chi, which I took up. Um, I studied that for um, many, many years. I now teach it. And um, about a year after I took up Tai Chi, I was then invited into a meditation group. Well, many, many coincidences were happening around then that the Zetas had told me would happen. And um, I think the advice they gave me was to help me to get into this more, um, how can I say, spiritual, basically, mindset so that they could communicate more easily with me. Oh my goodness, that's, I, I think that's really interesting. It's almost like you need to slow down. Uh, yeah, <laughs> So sure. then listen, you know, you're such a busy yeah. person that maybe, you know, there was, your, your energy was so spun around that they needed to physically slow you down to be able to have you listen. That's yes. interesting. That's very interesting. Yes. So, that, so then, um, why do you think that that they're here? And, and we at, the, at that point, you know, obviously had communication, but then, and then you know, you probably started thinking, well, wait a minute, okay, great, but but what is the reason for this? 
Okay, well, while, why they are here is because planet Earth is shifting. It's, it's, now, we all talk about this shift from the fourth world to the fifth world and the planetary shift um, last December. And, I mean, this, uh, people have been talking about this for a long time. So what is happening? Yes, the planet is stepping up to the next level. Um, what, what I'll do, Suzanne, I'll just backtrack here a little bit and talk about a teaching that the Zetas gave us on a thing they call the human ladder. And this explains where we're actually evolving as humans because the reason why they're here is to assist us with this evolutionary process. Now, um, during a, the contact experience that I've been having over the last 10 years or so, they started talking about it, this human ladder, and it's a term that the Zetas use for the path or cycle of evolution that's followed by all human-type species through the universe. Now, they talk about this human ladder being comprised of 10 what they call galactic levels, but they're not galaxies or physical places as such. They're rather ascending levels of expanding conscious awareness. Now, Earth humans are only on the first rung, so we're able to access approximately 10% of our potential conscious awareness. As psychologists would tell us, we use about 10% of our mind. Mm -hmm. um, now, I emphasize the word conscious here, as opposed to subconscious or superconscious, because th this is the key to where we're evolving as humans. As we progress up through the 10 levels over the span of many, many lives, more and more of our DNA will be activated through this and we'll be able to consciously access or perceive higher energy frequencies. So, in other words, we'll eventually be consciously aware of, of higher dimensions, just as we're now aware of third dimensional reality in which we operate here on Earth. Um, the Zetas are much further up the ladder. They can access about 50 to 80% of their conscious awareness. The ones even higher up that we think of as angels, um, they're about, oh, level 9 to 10, right up the top. So they have 90 to 100% conscious awareness. So in other words, um, they're fully awakened um, to what could be called divine or cosmic awareness or consciousness. Mm -hmm. Now, this is why the Zetas are here at this time. We're in the process of shifting from the first rung of the human ladder up to the second. So they're assisting us to open deeper um, conscious awareness. Okay. Like up to 20%. Wow. So then why do you think that is? I mean, what what is the purpose for that? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting here as you're saying this thinking, isn't it ironic that as we are elevating our consciousness and our, our awareness here on Earth, that the Earth seems to be deteriorating in, in the negative way at the same rate that we're awakening? Yes, well, it's, it's quite interesting that, that that point's been brought up actually in Dolores Cannon's books and what a lot of people that she's um, interviewed or, or her clients have come up with is that there's sort of two, almost two Earths being created. It's becoming more and more polarised and, and eventually some will remain where they are and others will step up. Um, mm. I, I don't quite really know myself. Um, I, I think that it's a very, very slow process and I think what's happening is that it's almost like a last gasp by the negative um, you know, in energy down here to try and hold on. Because, I mean, when you think back 20 years ago, people have grown hugely, even in the last 20 years. There's much more understanding, much more empathy. Um, people are starting to wake up that, hey, we don't need all these wars and things. They're waking up to all the political stuff and even governments and church, all the, the you know, big business stuff that's, that's gone on over millennia, basically, controlling people. And people are starting to wake up to this. So people are becoming more consciously aware. It is happening. 
Yeah, and I, I think that obviously the powers of the internet, thank goodness for that, and we're more able to tap into things that we need the answers for at the you know stroke of a key. And having these interviews and, and writing these books, and just, people are starting to be able to read books on the internet. Yeah. And so everything's at our fingertips. Everything is ready, readily accessible. And it's helping all of us to awaken at a quicker pace than maybe it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago as well. So the, the, tech, the new technology um, that is present to us um, is definitely helping us, I think, with our another type of ascension here on Earth. And the communication, you know, the social media, all of this, we're all think that it's really interesting because, as you were saying about choosing this path, choosing who we are to be here in this incarnation here, we all have a reason to be, but we are now all connecting at this time. Oh, look, for sure. Um, human evolution, the, the whole the why and the wherefore, why it's happening is uh, all to do with human evolution. And where we're heading in our evolution is back to oneness, back to source, back to God, whatever term people like to use. And so, you know, interesting you bring up about the Internet, because when you think about it, that's a tool that helps to unite us as one, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Isn't it wonderful? We wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't the, that case, you know. So That's we should nice. be very, very grateful. So also the um, opening the Zeta consciousness, and and when you talk about that, what exactly do you mean by that? Is it just us being aware of their being, or is it something else? Yes. Um, you mean like for the general populace to open to to um, the Zeta's presence? Yes, or, yes. And, yeah, and, and what yeah. was it like for you to open up your Zeta consciousness, per se? Yes, well, <laughs> that was actually um, a rather interesting experience. I, right from childhood, I was aware that there was something going on, that, that you know there was more happening than just my physical life down here. Um, and as I say, it gave me a lot of fear as a child until I started opening up and, and becoming more conscious of you know, who I was dealing with. Um, I'd always, all right from my teens, probably been aware of having this teacher around, a teacher in spirit. And I knew that he wasn't human. I knew that, and that, that didn't worry me. I didn't have a problem with that. And um, when I was in his presence, I always felt an, an amazing depth of love and a huge connection with him. And about a week before I had the big experience at age 30, when I saw them standing beside the bed, I actually had a um, dream experience, which I now know was actually happening, in which I was sitting with this teacher on the bank of a stream, and he was talking to me, and just starting to explain to me about exactly who I am and why I'm here. And um, this information was just resonating so deeply with me. I mean, I was, I was in tears. It was so amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, he then appeared on that day when I saw them beside the bed. He was one of them who was standing there. So. It, it was like suddenly I woke up and, and it was like a family feeling. All the, all the fear that I had been feeling, I, I was actually in a paralyzed state when this happened, um, absolutely terrified. And then all of a sudden they appeared beside the bed, including this teacher. And the fear just completely disappeared. It was like as if a light turned on in my head. You know, oh my God, that's who you are. It's for your family. That's okay. <laughs> Um, and um, it's just sort of gone from strength to strength from, from there. So it was quite an amazing experience. So that was my waking up to, to who I am. That was the main experience. <laughs> I've, I've heard that where it's almost like a familial um, situation where if these beings are present in your lifetime, 
And maybe as a child, you might not recognize that energy, obviously. But then as you get older and older, and then, you know, the whole paralysis situation, I want to talk about that after the break, which is coming up. But I, I really feel that there's some connection with trying to, when you know, having the paralysis there has a lot to do with the fear. And so we kind of um, compare the two and they kind of go hand in hand um, during the experience. And with you, when you had your awakening to, oh, it was almost like the light bulb moment where, <laughs> oh, I get it now. Well, this yeah. all now it all makes sense. Yeah. Don't you agree with that? Oh, oh for sure. Absolutely. Well, it was a shock. It was a shock at first. Yeah, it took me a while to, to accept, you know, what they were telling me. But when I did, it really oh, it was just a wonderful experience. So then all these experiences that people have had that seem to be quite negative, they should actually feel grateful that they have the connection. But I yes. think it's hard for most. I, I, I have found that, and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start talking about this on the air, because it seems that everything that I've been reading has always been negative. And yeah. so for me, this is a really great affirmation that maybe we need to rethink these things. Maybe we need to look back and say, okay, these things happened to me, and they weren't yeah. positive. But you know yeah. what? I'm not going to look at it in a positive, or I'm sorry, in a negative light. I'm actually going to look at it and say, wow, what did I gain from this experience? And not dwell on the negative aspect of the fear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Very inhibiting. Yeah, it's, it's an empowerment thing. Um, you know, you've got to choose. It Basically, that that's the bottom line of, of um, evolution on the, in the human kingdom, is choosing between love and fear. Um, and it's almost like in, in some cases the, the Zetas are presenting us with these two scenarios in, a, in an absolutely impartial way. They're extremely, people don't realise how highly evolved they are. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are almost up to the angelic level. And it's like they're impartial testers and triers of souls presenting us with two scenarios. And it's a free will choice. Do you tune into the fear or do you tune into the love? Which one do you choose? Yes. And that's what governs our evolutionary path. Absolutely. We're talking tonight about alternative healing and uh, the work that she's done and the books that she's written. And that being said, I'd like to talk about those books. Uh, the first one, The Zeta Message, uh, co-authored by Helene Kay. And Human by Day, Zeta by Night, which I think is a really great title, by the way, <laughs> also written by you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about those works and, and a little bit about what they're about? Okay, the, the Zeta message is basically an autobiography of my own lifelong contact with the grey Zetas and also the story of a family. The mother of the family, Helene Kay, is actually my co-author. I was put in touch with this family back in the year 2000 when they began having some very profound and seemingly frightening contact in their, in their home. Some very strange activity was happening. Uh, in the way of black clad figures being seen in the corner of the children's bedrooms, lights flashing through their skylight at night. Um, on one occasion, a strange dog materialised inside their house when it was all locked and their own dog was, was outside, and it disappeared into the, the younger child Ben's bedroom, never to be seen again. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, Helena and I um, happened to um, have learned Reiki from the same teacher. Uh, we didn't know each other, but 
we had a, new, a mutual friend in this Reiki teacher. Uh, Helene had done Reiki some years before, and her family had just been attuned to it. She, she actually learned Reiki initially because the two children were suffering from asthma. She wasn't into New Age stuff at all, had never heard of ET contact. They just weren't into those things. Um, but she learned Reiki to help the children's asthma. And the whole family was so impressed with it, her husband Gary and two children, Kira and Ben, decided they wanted to learn Reiki 1 as well, which is the first level. So it, all this activity started happening about a week after the family had all been attuned. Hmm. So they rang our, our mutual teacher, Ian, and he came in to do a Reiki cleanse on the house. Now, I'd been working in partnership with Ian for some years at that stage um, as a teacher myself. I teach Reiki. And we often use this Reiki cleanse to clear negative energies out of houses and things. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And like if you've got a, a ghost in a house, you can come in and do a Reiki cleanse and it just balances the energy, clears, helps the ghost to move on to where it's supposed to be. So Ian was called in and did a cleanse on the house. Um, but the trouble is the opposite effect happened. The activity stepped up after the cleanse. Wow. Now, he was due to go away on holidays, and he didn't want to leave this poor family with all this seemingly scary stuff going on. And he knew that I'd been having contact experiences all my life with ETs, and, and I've been a meditator and everything. So he um, asked me if it was okay for Helene to ring me, which she did. She rang me the following day. And when she started describing to me exactly what this activity was, bells started going off in my head um, and I was absolutely certain that it was ET contact that they were having and in fact contact with the greys. So we spoke at length on the phone and, and um, I reassured her, I told her that I'd been having these experiences since childhood, that I had never been hurt, that there was nothing to be frightened of and we became close friends. She, she used to ring me at first. There was so much going on in their house, she would be on the phone to me almost every day. Wow. Um, and it took quite a while for her to get her confidence. I mean, she didn't know me, so she, you know, she was speaking to this person that she, she had no contact with. She had to sort of you know, use her trust and faith to, to accept what I was telling her that it was okay. Um, not long after that, during a Reiki treatment that she was giving to her daughter Kira. Um, Kira actually made conscious contact with a tall Zeta teacher by the name of Oris. He introduced himself to her as Oris. And it turned out that he knew my teacher that I know as Maris. And from then on, it was quite amazing. Kira used to have very, very full on conscious contact with this teacher. He started giving her messages and information that at that stage I had been receiving from my Zeta teacher for many years. Um, at that stage, Kira and I had never spoken, so it was wonderful confirmation and validation for me when she started being given the same messages that I'd been given. That's really amazing. Now, you're probably the first person that I've ever spoken with who has actually gotten a name for an energy being, and I think that's really fascinating, and knowing that that was a teacher of yours, and um, I wonder how many other people out there might have had that same experience. I've never heard that, so that's really fascinating. I know that people have had, you know, certain beings coming to them rep repetitively throughout their lives, but never really a name equated to it. That's really interesting. Yes, yeah, I have heard it on occasions. Yes, um, in fact, there's a another um, person who's getting, uh, as far as I understand, they're having a book published at the moment by. Um, 
uh, Wildflower Press, who published my books, um, she also has a name for her teacher. Hmm. Again, it's the Zeta teacher, and she's got to know him really well. She went through huge fear in the early stages, but now she's fine with it. <laughs> wow, that's great. So yeah. when you were talking about the, the Reiki um, increasing the activity, do you feel that when people see like black masses or uh, dark shadows and things, or even ghosts, do you think that has something to do with this phenomenon, the ET phenomenon? No, that's a different thing. Um, when when it's negative activity, like for example, pol uh, poltergeist activity, things like that, it's astral plane. People draw draw stuff in themselves. Sometimes people can even create it from their own energy, or for like a trapped spirit. You know, that's more astral plane. What it, what uh, it is with the Reiki? Reiki is a very very high frequency energy, extremely high frequency. That's why you need to go through an attunement process to be able to access and work with Reiki. And the reason why it draws the, the Zetas in is because the Zetas are also of a very high frequency. They, so they actually pick up on this high frequency energy. It's like it puts out such a beautiful energy, it draws them in. Um, whereas a negative energy it will get rid of, which I have done on a number of occasions. So I've had a, quite a lot of experience with this. It's almost like an exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you think about it, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It well, is, yes. I, I've had experiences in my life, and I have, I'm a lifetime experiencer from childhood with, with the, the greys myself. But throughout my life, I've also had experiences where I've had people who have passed away yeah. come and visit me. And I'm, I'm not quite sure. That's why I asked, do you think that they're, they're connected? Like, well, I, I think perhaps they are because the, the, the Zetas are, in a way, they're, they're caretakers of energy in the universe, um, and I do think that often they are the ones who can bring um, people in, like people who passed over, say they want to connect with someone down here, it, and it's not really easy. Apparently it's just as hard to do it from that side as it is from this side. So what will happen, the Zetas can actually assist them to come across if they want to communicate. Right. So, and, and I think they will often also meet people, they, they, what they'll do, they'll take on a more angelic form and assist the person who's just passed over. In some cases, the higher angel ones do that as well. But they all sort of work together. That's interesting. Yeah. So the, the other book, Human by Day, Zeta by Night. Yeah. I, I have not read it, but I'm having a feeling what you mean by that. Um, so I'd like to hear why you named that book such. Okay. That, I was actually approached in another um, very profound experience in 1995 um, over in the UK at a sacred circle. I was approached by the Zetas and asked to write a book from their perspective. As they explained, up until that point in time, all the um, books that had been written had been like about human ET contact, had been written from the human perspective. And there was a huge amount of misunderstanding, lack of communication, etc. Many people complaining that the Zetas wouldn't communicate. So um, they approached me and asked me to write a book entirely from their perspective on the ET human contact scenario. And this is what Human by Day, Zeta by Night is about. It's been marketed as a docudrama based on the Zeta message, so it's sort of, sort of semi-fictional, but the reason why I did that is to get across, it's, it's like presenting people with a virtual reality experience of actually being a Zeta. 
And the book is really about experiences that I have had as a data working up on the disk, talking about things like that, the whys and the wherefores of why we take people up there, how hard it is to communicate, the difficulties we go through with this, why we're doing it, etc. So that's what um, Human by Day, Data by Night is about. Wow, so you obviously were on a, a craft then, so oh, uh, I have been many times. Why don't we talk about that? Because I don't really think a lot of people know a lot about what it's like, and I have actually been on a craft as well, but I have not heard a lot of people having recollections of this experience, so I would love to hear yours. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually very, very clearly remember a very, very interesting experience up there one night. Um, I was in Zeta form and I um, went to go into what people refer to as a clinic up there. And as I walked around the door, there was a, a human man lying on a table. Um, he was sort of semi-paralyzed, but he managed to turn his eyes towards the door as I came in. He obviously realized someone come in. And the look of terror on this poor man's face was just awful. And I remember at the time really, really struggling, trying to communicate with him and saying, look, it's okay, you've been here before, we know each other, I'm not going to hurt you, it's just me, don't be scared. But we had him up there to, to do a protective procedure on him. Um, but there, I could see there was no way, it was like he had this fear cocoon around him and there was no way I could get through it, which was very, very frustrating. That then went into the clinic. There were three of him work, uh, three of us working on him, and I was actually working on his head, removing a negative implant that had been put in down here. There's, there's actually a group down here who are pretending they they do fake ET uh, abductions, alien abductions, and yes, they are very traumatic and awful for people. And he was being subjected to this, and they had actually put a, a, um, an implant in his head. And I was very consciously aware while I was doing it that we were doing this for his protection to get this implant out. Okay, let's talk about that, Judy. I have done a lot of research about that, and you're saying a group basically down here is mimicking these beings, saying that they're doing this for whatever reason and putting these implants in people. Yeah. And it is a traumatic experience, and I have had that happen to me as well. And I've been very skeptical about this from day one because yeah. for me, it didn't make any sense. I'm thinking, why would I need an implant, as people would say, for a tracking device? Okay. They yeah. wouldn't need to have a tracking device on anything or anyone down here on this earth. So I know that it's definitely non-organic. So what, what do you make of that? Yes, um, okay, the, the genuine ETs are putting implants in. Generally what they do, they put them into our chakra system, you know, our energy right. system, and they are often put in to help to bring the energy system back to balance. So they're often for healing purposes. Um, many of the Zeta people who are down here in human form do have also, also implants, and they help us. It's like a, uh, how can I say, um, it's like a biofeedback sort of thing, so that whatever we experience down here, it's like a debriefing concept, so that we can sort of channel our own experiences, our personal experiences, through to the, the Zeta group upstairs, and they can see what, you know, how we react to human emotion, how our body reacts to it, etc. And it's also a protective thing for us. But the um, other implants that are being put 
skin down here and they're, and they're generally physical, they're not usually energy, they're usually physical implants. So yes, they are, they're basically tracking devices just to keep track of people. And why do you think they're doing that? Well, what, it's like a, a sort of fear campaign, really, because they don't they don't want people down here to evolve. They want to keep humans dumbed down where they mm. are right now. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, they try to either make fun of people who had genuine experiences um, and report them, and, and it's put down as, as just, oh, it's just your imagination. They'll do everything they can to, to you know, put the person down. When that doesn't work, when too much proof comes through that it's really happening, and then now they tr they're trying to turn it around and turn it into a fear thing about all aliens invading planet Earth and hurting humans and all this sort of thing. Um, and so therefore, they're keeping track of people who are having genuine experiences and going in sort of, how can I say, it's like they're putting a screen image over the top of a genuine experience with negative happenings. And that's sort of why they're keeping track of people. Wow, I, I definitely feel that I um, have had that happen to me, but I started thinking that it was more of a, a military uh, situation because my father and my grandfather both worked for military um, organizations here in the States when I was a young girl. And throughout my childhood, I subsequently had very odd things happening to me that also correlated with um, those groups. So then I started, you know, getting out of my head and, and becoming very paranoid. And and finally, I just said, forget it. I don't really care anymore. I'm not going to pay any attention because I already know what my purpose is. I don't want to give that any energy. Yes. And not feed into the fear. Because yes. I think that people, once people find out that they do have something anomalous in their body, they can see it in an x-ray. I mean, why would you not freak out? That's exactly right, exactly right. And, and that's exactly what they want. They want people to freak out. They want the fear. It's almost like they feed off it. It's quite amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So then, knowing that, I've never heard of anybody actually working on somebody on a craft as well. I thought that was very interesting, because it's usually from the other perspective. You're actually yeah. the person being worked on, or seeing somebody else being worked on. Yeah. Um, I uh, recently came in contact with a, a fellow contactee who recognized me from a photograph from when right. I was a teenager. And immediately when he saw the photograph, he started, he said it felt like somebody punched him in the stomach. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it took his breath away. And I asked him, I said, well, what, why? And he says, I don't know. All I know is that I, I'm so sorry I couldn't help you. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that's interesting, Suzanne, because talking about seeing a photo and the punch in the, stom the, the stomach, a very similar thing actually happened to me over this incident. I remember when I was working on this man, I thought, what a distinctive face he had. And I thought, gee, if I ever see you down on, on planet Earth, I'll recognize you. And strangely enough, he was brought into contact with us you know, a couple of years later and actually sent a photo. And as soon as I saw the photo, I recognized him. That's and the amazing. same thing with, oh, my God, you're the one. <laughs> How did you come in contact with him here? What happened? Oh, well, what, what was happening, um, Helene had the two children, her two children being... Um, um, they're subjected to contact and she just wanted to speak to another mother. I mean, I'm not a mother. Okay, I've had experience since I was a child, but I'm not a mother. And she wanted to contact another mother who had, had contact experience or with her children, had experience with her children. So she put a, a, um, a thing up out on the internet or she linked into a forum or something. I think it might have been a forum she linked into. And this um, gentleman contacted her and they got talking via email 
and um, he'd had many, many years of experience, experiences, many of them quite negative, and he was actually quite afraid of the, of the greys. And um, we worked with him for a while, um, trying to get him past the fear. And it was pretty obvious that he had had some of these negative you know, military or whatever they are contacts. And um, he sent us a photo of himself, and, and sure enough, it was the same man. So I thought, oh, yes, you have been um, mm -hmm. interfered with. That's incredible. Mm, mm. We never told him, you know, we, we never have. We never felt comfortable to, to tell him. Um, wow, I wonder, though, I mean, at some point, it might be something part of his awakening as well, just to realize what the bigger picture is, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and maybe put him at ease that you were actually helping him to get better. Yes, to yes. He, to help heal him off Earth, you know, I think that's really fascinating. Yeah. I was talking to another author about doing work while he sleep. And, and doing, like, astral projecting, per se. A lot of experiencers I, I've spoken with feel that they do a lot of astral projection, especially when they're sleeping yes. and, and going other places yes. and um, connecting with their uh, higher consciousness. Their, their, I, don't, I would not know if that, that's actually the superconscious self, but almost like we cross the veil. And when we cross the veil, when we sleep, we do work. Do you have For any sure. feelings about that? Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, everybody does. When we sleep, we all leave the body. Um, as, as I say, the Zetas refer to the physical body as a container. And when we, when we go to sleep, the real us, our soul or our spirit, leaves the body. It's, it's like we're a driver of a car. The, the body is just the vehicle and we're the driver. So when that vehicle is at rest at night, we can step out of it. We can turn the engine off and step out and go out and, and do other work. Everyone does it. That's what dreaming is all about. Yes, I um, I don't know about you, but I feel that a lot of experiencers seem to have a lot of healing energy as well, like you. Um, being drawn to Reiki, obviously, it was given to you to do this healing here to help raise a vibration. I think that there are a lot of people out there who have been given a very similar message, maybe not yes. as directly as you, but they just have a, a innate uh feeling or like a gut instinct or feeling very compelled to get involved with whether it be teaching tai chi lowering you know calming us down so that we can be aware uh being involved in meditation groups uh sound therapy yoga uh reiki all of that like i said um i think that we're all healing here on this planet but i also have found that a lot of us do have a lot of telepathic ability as well than each other, also psychic uh, uh, feelings, uh, lots of high strangeness, lots of synchronicity, and a lot of precognition, like yeah. see, seeing ahead. Do you have any of that as well? Oh, yes, I, I do. I mean, I don't call myself a psychic, but I, I certainly do pick up on things. I'm very sensitive to people's energy. Uh, I can feel energy. I don't physically see auras, but I can sense them. Um, I, I think also why a lot of people are going through this, what people need to realise is there are a lot of interplanetary people down here right now, along with the Zetas, helping out down here in human form. Um, it's like it's like a massive universal project trying to help planet Earth up to the next level. So, I mean, we're all down here lending a hand. Um, Most um, of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so it's... Uh, um, in many cases, people who are drawn to healing are people from either other planets or other dimensions who are down here um, 
on this project, all of us working together, trying to shift the energy up to a higher level. Like, like for example, I know that there's there's a little bit of a, a racist thing out there because the Asians look different. They're often labelled as the baddies and the Pleiadians because they look more like Earth humans. They're the goodies. But what people don't realise, there's not that sense out there. There's much, much more oneness. So, for example, the Pleiadians and the and the Zayas work very closely together. I mean, we're the best of friends. And up on the mothership, there are many, many different ET races all working together. Everyone helping each other out. We all have our specialties. Everyone focuses on their job, but we all support each other. But do you also feel that when I think about the different races, it, it's so strange to me because as, as diverse as we are down here, I believe that it, that's the case up there as well. But I think there's also some good and bad in everything. And there might be, you know, different subgroups that might not necessarily be. For example, you're saying the Zetas that are doing the implants not for uh, a good purpose per se. Uh, so there are little deviances, I think, here and there that maybe we wouldn't really quite understand because there's so much to wrap our head around. It's important here to understand people use planet Earth as a, um, a yardstick to judge the rest of the universe. Now, it's important to understand planet Earth right on the very first level. So there's a lot more duality and negative stuff going on down here than there generally is throughout the rest of the universe. Yes, I know there's good, bad and indifferent, but as you go further up towards where the Zetas are, there's not quite that polarity. So all the really negative stuff is coming from right here on Earth or from our own astral plane. It's not actually, I know people talk about, oh, there's negative ETs coming here doing this. It's not quite like that. Right. That's a lot of the disinformation that's been put out. The ETs who are coming here are okay. Um, okay, there are some who have more understanding and knowledge than others. And yes, I'm sure there are instances where greys, younger greys have done things that, um, like they, they might, might be a little bit rough in the way they treat people or things like that. But I mean, that's why ones like me are down here to try and learn more so that we, we can get our act a bit better. Um, but any really definitely um, negative stuff is coming from down here or our astral plane. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about uh, the aura, and I know that you have a lot of uh, thing, a lot of videos on YouTube, and one of them you were telling me earlier is about an oral cleanse, and I'm really interested about that. Can we talk about that? Yes, yes. Well, um, the, the Zeta teacher, Aurus, who was working with um, Helene's daughter, Kira, actually came one day and taught us to do this aura cleanse. Kira could see him absolutely physically. Helene and I couldn't. We were aware of his presence, but we couldn't actually physically see him, but she, but she could. And what he did, he actually went through the whole Reiki course with us and just corrected a few little points. There wasn't that much that was, that was wrong, but I mean, Reiki was brought from Japan to America or to Hawaii during the Second World War, so stuff was left out of it. So he actually went through the whole course and um, uh, corrected a few things, and he taught us to do this amazing aura cleanse that has 13 steps, and we've put it up, up on YouTube so people can learn it, and we teach it in our Reiki seminars, but you don't have to be a Reiki person to do it. Anyone can do it. But it was a very, it was, this was very interesting because I was down at, at Helene's place when this was happening. And after they took me back to the station to come home, they went home and decided to practice this aura cleanse that we'd just been taught. And Helene was doing it on her daughter Kira. And all of a sudden she heard this really loud, powerful voice say, no fingers together. And she had what? a finger apart. 
and she got such a shock and it just didn't even gel with them for for a moment they thought it was someone outside so kira ran outside and looked around and all and when, when it happened all the dogs in the street started barking oh except for their dog <gasps> and, and and the funny thing is just to backtrack before this had all happened kira had expressed the wish that we could hear or she said i wish you could just hear his voice or see him so you'd know i'm not making this up oh but we we believed it but anyway, so Helene heard this voice, and suddenly Kira came running back from the front door. Mum, Mum, you heard Horus. That was Horus. It was Horus's voice. So here's poor Helene almost scraping herself up off the floor. She got such a shock uh, that she actually got to hear his voice. So I would equate it as to being almost say a group sighting when people might see something in the sky, what have you. But they had a, a group communication. So Judy, let's talk more about that scenario. Yes, yes. Um, as I was explaining, um, we were taught this aura cleanse by our Zeta teacher, Aurus, and um, uh, Helene had gone back to practice it on her daughter after he left, or we thought he'd left, and um, she was practicing with her hands apparently not quite right, and all of a sudden she heard this really loud voice, Helene, fingers together. And um, they thought it was something from outside, somebody out in the street oh talking. God. All the dogs in the street began barking, except their dog. Um, and all of a sudden, it dawned on them that no, it was it was actually Aurus who'd said it. Wow. Um, because, and who, who, who out in the street would walk past your house and say fingers together? It just didn't make sense. <laughs> That's crazy. So, so now you had direct validation that obviously th this was a real situation. This was a real connection. And, and more than one person would be able to validate that. So that's really fascinating. So what do you think the, the whole message is with Reiki? And now obviously it's an attunement and trying to get all of our chakras aligned and, and thus for maybe being that energy being that is needed here to raise this vibration um, as yes. a populace. Yeah, yes. Well, that's right. Um, all, all these type of healing uh, natural therapies, Reiki, um, as you were say, saying before, yoga, Tai Chi, Shiatsu, acupuncture, they're all aimed towards the same thing, and that's getting our energy system back in balance. And this is part of what the ETs are here as well to try and help with, because the more balanced we can become in our energy system, the easier it is for us to evolve. And evolution in the human kingdom is a mind expansion process, expanding our conscious awareness. So it's it's really important that we, we try to keep ourselves balanced. And see, also, the, the speed um, of the planet is, like the vibration of the planet is speeding up. And this is why we see um, a certain amount of chaos happening, people speaking very fast, unable to pack everything into their lives. <laughs> it's like our lives are speeding up more and more. And the only way to handle this is to go back to some sort of spiritual practice. And this is why the Zetas advise me to learn Tai Chi and meditation, Reiki, etc. So when you say um, speeding up, that's funny because ever since I was a child, I was so busy, so busy, just like you. I, yeah. I ran I ran track for like 18 years of my life, you know, I was <laughs> running, running, then I was on a speed skating team. So then really? I was, you know, competing and, and just rush, rush, rush. I couldn't sleep at night and, and I would stay awake until all hours and my mother would tell her friends, oh, it's just because she feels like she's going to be missing something. And, yeah. and so I always wanted to be in the conscious state, even as a child. And even now, I mean, in my present situation, I'm a night owl. I mean, I stay up until the wee hours of the morning, 
And ironically, the person who I connected with, the one who saw my, my photograph, is uh, also a Reiki, a Reiki teacher. Right. And, and so, yes, so we um, connected, and it was, an, I mean, it was, I know that we've known each other before. Without yeah. a doubt. Without a doubt, we have been reconnected for whatever reason. We, we're not quite sure why yet. But we feel that there's a sense of urgency, like something really big is happening. And, and so he's really focusing on his Reiki right now. Yeah. And, and keeping us calm, because even to this day, I will stay up until the sun comes up. And I just, I'm not tired. Right. So I'm trying to center myself. <laughs> and is there any advice you could give me on that matter? <laughs> well, Reiki, Reiki is wonderful for that. I, I was only just teaching a Reiki one seminar at the weekend. Um, and when when a person's attuned to Reiki, whatever level you, you're attuned to, uh, you go through what's called the 21-day cleanse afterwards, in which you have to give yourself Reiki every day. And, um, of course, people are so busy now, and they're all working, so people are saying, well, how can I do that? Because Reiki, one level, it's an hour of treatment, and, oh, I can't fit another hour into my day. But as I say to people, one hour of Reiki is uh, the equivalent of about two hours sleep. Wow. Um, so if you can't sleep, give yourself Reiki. You know, that's, that's, that's the advice I give to Reiki people. And I also find if I wake up during the night, because I have to sleep at night because I work up on the disc, so it's a bit of a worry if I can't get to sleep. Mm. So I give myself Reiki to get myself back to sleep. Wow, that's really interesting. So you are conscious of the fact that you do do this work at night. Oh, yes. See, I'm actually the opposite of what you're talking about. I, I have to go to bed very early. I mean, I'm starting to fall asleep by 8.30. Oh, no. Um, I'm not keeping you up. <laughs> I don't even know what time it is there, but I hope I'm not keeping you awake. No, no it's, morning, it's morning, so I'm very bright at the moment. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I, I have a question for you. This is a, um, I was listening to an interview and uh, the woman was talking about guardian angels. Uh -huh. And I started thinking about that, and I started thinking, what, I wonder if it has something to do with this whole phenomenon, this other part of the consciousness. And I had a dream that I awakened at the scene of a bus crash. Right. And, and I'm standing there with five other people, and we're all like standing side by side holding hands. And we all looked at each other, and we didn't say a word, but our first instinct was to go into the bus. Right. And so we go into the bus, and I went, I went right through the bus. And I went right. inside the bus, and there's women and children. They're all screaming and crying, and they're hanging from their seatbelts. And I'm drawn to this one woman, and she's speaking to me telepathically, and she says, help my baby. Right. So I'm looking for the baby, and I find the baby underneath the seat. And I pull the baby out, and she's got a cut on her cheek, and she's crying. And I unleash the mother from her seatbelt. And at the same time, I'm looking around the, the bus, and all the people that I was with, they were all doing the same thing that I was. Right. And that was helping somebody. Yeah. And when I made sure that nobody else was severely injured, I left. Right. And when yes. I woke up, I woke up, and I thought, oh, my God, what just happened? It was so real. And I told my boyfriend, I said... I just had the craziest dream. It was so real. It was like I was there. And I couldn't shake it, and I couldn't shake it. And finally, after about two days, I went on the Internet. Uh -huh. And I just Googled, you know, tour. it was like a tour bus. So I Googled, I Googled that, and then I realized that the woman was speaking to me telepathically, but it was in a different language. So I had oh, a right. feeling that it was not in America. I felt like it might have been in Europe somewhere. Uh -huh. So I typed in the date. 
and I typed in Europe and I scrolled through about three pages on Google and on the third page I saw a thumbnail and it just it was that punch in the stomach where it was oh. like and I clicked on it and it enlarged and it was the same exact bus oh wow and it was an accident and it was a bus full of women and their children going to a summer camp oh how amazing and it was in Bulgaria wow and I had the chills like I do right now all over my body because I thought <laughs> oh my goodness and the one thing that was strange is that it said that there was one fatality and I thought oh my god how could I have missed that well the person person who was killed was ejected out of the window so I didn't see oh isn't that amazing so I am thinking to myself at that point okay wait a minute so what is this precognition did I I felt like it was I was really there because it, I dreamed it as it was happening because it was the next day it was daylight there yeah. And, and so what do you make of that? Well, I, I believe that you were there in spirit helping out. Um, we, we, had, we had a very similar experience with the 9-11 event in America. Really? I, I, I had a certain amount of conscious memory of it, but Kira, Helene's daughter, had a lot more. Um, we were going over there every night helping out, helping people. What? Yeah. Um, Never, no one died alone. I know that, that many people were, were very um, stressed over this because there were people who were trapped in the building who couldn't, the rescues couldn't reach them, and they actually would have died and in, in trapped in the building. Mm. Um, but I've, I've actually covered this in a couple of interviews and said to people, if you're in that situation, if you lost a loved one there and this is worrying you, please don't be worried about it because there were both Zetas and there were the higher ones, the angelic beings there giving people healing, staying with them. If they were due to die, the angelic ones went in, lifted them up out of their body. Kira saw this happening over and over again. Wow. Um, people being helped out of their bodies and, and Zeta staying with people, probably showing themselves in another form so the person wouldn't be scared, but staying with them until they died, holding their hands, giving them healing. And she also saw them all doing this aura cleanse that we've been taught. So we were just blown away by that. That's amazing. That's mm. there's something to be said about um, if you are aware of this part of the consciousness and maybe connecting with that part of yourself. That maybe you can do that work if you could allow yourself to even think outside the box and say these things are possible. And this is I feel very drawn to this. And now that you say it, it's almost like an affirmation that these things are happening. And so when people do say my guardian angel was there with me during my car accident or what have you, or if they had not been there, you know, X, Y, or Z might have happened. Yeah. So do you think that maybe yeah. there's also a preventative aspect to this, you know, the Zan? Oh, oh. Look, that, absolutely for sure. I've also heard of two instances of people being in a car that's run out of control. Now, say, for example, going down a mountain, they've lost their brakes or something, and they have just, you know, shut their eyes, expected to crash, and someone has taken over the wheel. I've heard that on two separate occasions. That's amazing. So, yes, these things happen. We have these beings around us. Sometimes they're our ET guides, sometimes they're angelic, sometimes they're um, dead relatives, <laughs> whoever we want. Well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've seen photographs of people at a at the scene of an accident, and you'll actually see a mass next to, uh, you know, like a, a just a, an image or maybe a, a, a mist next to a deceased person who it could be them leaving their body, who knows, but...
yes. or it could be something else altogether. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and nobody ever dies alone. A person who dies in an accident or wherever, no one dies alone. There's always someone there helping them. Well, that's very comforting. I think so. Yeah, it's important people understand that and know about it. Yeah, we should not fear death, obviously, because, I've, I mean, if you're aware of this part of the consciousness, that this is just a physical vehicle that we're inhabiting as this uh, energy spirit, soul spirit. Yeah. And, and we, we are so attached to the physical here on this earth. And have physical, um, you know, material possessions, what have you. It's so important, and, and it's really the least important thing that we really should be thinking about at all times. That's what I think. That's right, yeah. Understanding that we're an immortal soul, we're a spirit, you know, we're much more than the body. Yes, so, you know, obviously the planet's changing. It's so different than it was, and it's going to be so much different than it is. Yeah. So what do you feel during this uh, planetary change? What do you think that we really should be focusing on right now in our lives? Um, I, I really think trying however, we, you know, like whatever we follow, it, whether we're Christian, whether we're, we follow alternative um, spiritual paths, it doesn't matter. They're all equally good, and we should be f focusing on our spiritual growth, meditating, praying, go, you know, whatever. If we like to do yoga, if we like to do Tai Chi, Reiki, any of those things, that's what we need to focus on to assist us on the spiritual level um, more than the physical. I mean, of course, we've got to look after our physical body because we are down here. We've all truly chosen a physical life down here. Um, so we've got to look after that aspect, but we must also equally not um, nourish the spiritual aspect of our being and be aware that, yes, it really is something that's important. And, and take care of the, the, I mean, as much as we take care of our bodies to do this work, we also need to take care of the earth. Because if we don't have that underneath our feet, then, you know, what's going to happen to us? Exactly, exactly. You know, this, this is a very important planet. Um, and all the planets are all interlinked. It's all interlinked in oneness. So, I mean, if we wreck this planet, we're hurting others out there as well. Um, and this is part of the reason why the ETs are coming in to intervene. You know, it's not, it's not a, um, an isolated thing. We're all part of oneness and everyone's equally important. Yes. So I was thinking about something the other day, and maybe you could give me some information. All these asteroids that are coming around this Earth at this time, and here we have all these beautiful telescopes in, in, you know, in space. Mm. So we're finding out days before that the asteroids are coming, and it just seems quite odd. And I almost feel like they're just obviously not being honest, and they're not being honest uh, about a lot of things. But do you get any feelings from the Zetas that there's something that we should be paying attention to in the cosmos? No, what we need to pay attention to is our own thoughts. Uh, they come up with this so often. There are a lot of fear predictions and scenarios being put out. And what the Zetas keep saying is we create our own reality. And this is, this is the most important thing for people to understand. It's a free will choice that people need to make at this time. What sort of future do they, do they want to create, individually, also on a planetary level? The, the Zetas do, and other ETs, I believe, as well, um, do offer a certain amount of protection on the planet. So nothing will happen that isn't supposed to happen. I agree with that. Okay. 
Um, so if we start focusing too much on fear, oh, we're going to get hit by asteroid, oh, this is going to happen, oh, that's going to happen, we will create that reality for ourselves. So the idea is is to mind your own thoughts. We can't we can't change the planet, but we can change our own thoughts. So it's individual thought that is the, the key to a better future. What sort of future do we want for ourselves? We want a happy, safe future, or, or don't we? So it all starts with ourselves. So... I agree with that. I just saw a video the other day, and it, it was talking about that, that we do create our own reality. So if we live yeah. in fear, our reality is going to be based on fear. That's right. If we look at all the possibilities, open ourselves up to the positivities around us, then we will surround ourselves with positive light and light energy. Yeah. Very, and living that clean life really does say a lot to our vibrational energy as well. So things that you've learned from the ETs are, are for yourself as well as others. And the things that you're doing are the things that we all should be doing. If anybody else out there listening to this has something else to share, but maybe doesn't have the skills or maybe the need to feel to write a book, what have you, but would like to connect, how might they do that, Judy? Okay, they can connect through our, our website. We actually have two websites. Our main website is ufograyinfo.com. UFO Grey Info is all one word and grey is spelt with an E. So they can go in via that website. Uh, there's a, a, a contact part in there that they can, they can contact me. We also have the ZetaMessage.com, which is our book website. So they can, they can check up on things there too. We have our YouTube. You can get in via the Zeta Message. Done a number of YouTubes. The Aura Cleanse is one. Helene and I have um, done some interviews. She sat down and interviewed me, like we're doing now, That's asking great. questions, and I've answered them. So we've got that up on YouTube. Helene Kay also has her own Facebook page in connection with all this. That's also you can get in via her name, Helene Kay. That's K-A-Y-E. Or also the Zeta message will get you into there as well, into our Facebook. That's great. So, That's yeah. great. So then do you also do remote Reiki? Uh, yes, I certainly do. Is, is there any way that people can connect with you to have that done? Because I've had that done, and a lot of people are very skeptical about having somebody be able to connect with them, you know, across the planet, or however you want to say it. But, you know, it does sound a little strange, but, you know, it really does work. I had that happen to me, and I can attest that it does work. So what would you do if somebody did want to have remote Reiki? What, what would be the process for that? Well, basically, what I have to have, I have to have the person's name and address so that I can zero in on them. Um, some people probably aren't comfortable with that. Um, it's important to, to realise that, you know, when you're working with, with someone who is a Reiki person, I mean, we, it, it's sacred to us. We would never, never pass on anyone's private information. So if anyone wanted Reiki sent and they sent me that information, certainly no, go no further than me. So, you know, they, they would maybe contact me through the website and um, just send their info and I can send Reiki. We um, use symbols to send Reiki. This is what you learn at, at level two. So the special sending symbols that we use to send Reiki. And yes, I do that quite often. I often send Reiki to people and, and um, I've had good feedback on it. Often people will give you feedback when they don't even realize that they're receiving That's true. Reiki. I've heard that. And, and there are a lot of people, and I know it sounds funny, but to you and me possibly, but there are people who probably don't even know what Reiki really is and what Reiki really does and and uh, yeah. you know how it can actually help align your energy and your I mean literally if you have any blockages in your body 
how, what, what is, what are the steps that you do? I mean, do you go through their different, I mean, the chakras, obviously, but the balancing, what is the process of that? Yes, well, well, to actually, learn, to do Reiki, you have to be tuned to it. You can't just pick it up. I know that there are sites on the internet that say, oh, learn Reiki, just link into here and, and that, but you can't. You actually have to go to a Reiki teacher. That, there's a bit of a con job going mm. on with that. So, yes, you have to go and learn Reiki. Um, level one Reiki, you go through four attunements, no less. There has to be four attunements. But if a person is going for a Reiki treatment, like not to be actually tuned to Reiki themselves, but just to go for a treatment, what you do, you just lie down on, on the table in the therapist's um, room or wherever they're doing it. They place their hands on your body. Um, you remain fully dressed. It's not like massage. There's no undressing or anything. And all, all we are as Reiki therapists and practitioners, we're just channels for the energy and the person who's receiving the treatment is the one who controls it like on a super conscious level they draw the energy through it so no one can be forced to take on reiki um, it's always by a person's free will and what the reiki energy does it just connects with their energy system and clears any blockages in the in the energy chakras or meridians through their body and brings their energy back into balance because the whole theory behind Reiki, as with all other Eastern healing modalities, is that all illness arises from blocks or imbalances within the energy system. So this is how Reiki works. It just brings the energy system back into balance. That's really, and so how do you discern between, I mean, obviously if somebody was going to be hiring somebody to do this, how would you know that somebody was attuned? How, how could you tell? Well, they should have certificates. Um, if, you know, I always say to people, look, never be afraid. If you want to go and receive Reiki from someone, ask to see their certificate because they should have a certificate to say what level they are. So, you know, if you're a Reiki master, you have a certificate to say that, yes, you are attuned to that level. I always keep my certificates out in my treatment room so people can see. And about how long would that take for them to have a complete um, Reiki treatment? Uh, treatment usually takes about an hour. I, I allow an hour. So the person can just lie on the table, completely relax. Oh, it's just beautiful to have a treatment. It's so relaxing. You know, I, I used to get acupressure once every two weeks. And I went to this woman, and I did not know until my boyfriend started doing Reiki treatment on me that she was doing Reiki on me that whole time, but never told me. Well, it's interesting. Um, acupressure works rather in a similar way to Reiki because you're still balancing the chakras. You're working on the different chakras. Um, she may have been a Reiki person. A lot of people who do other therapies like acupuncture, acupressure, massage, etc., also are attuned to Reiki. So she may have been a Reiki person as well. Um, but if she wasn't, it's just that it's working in a similar way to Reiki. Wow. Well, Judy, I am so grateful that you came on my show tonight because it kind of wraps up the whole aspect of this uh, beautiful awakening with alternative healing. And I think that it's really important that people aren't afraid to go that route. I mean, there is this whole stigma of quote unquote new agey types of things that seem a little bit sketchy, but I don't think there's anything to be afraid of when it comes to healing your body and opening up your awareness and awakening your consciousness to the possibilities that are out there for us, for our taking, that we need to really focus on that part of our energy instead of just being dumbed down by all the things that people are telling us we need to do on this earth. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's mu we're much more than a physical body, and that's, that's the bottom right. line. I mean, like, like traditional medicine's fine. I haven't got anything against it. Of course, I go to the doctor if I'm sick too, because we need to, you know, work on the physical level, but you also need to be open to these other higher levels of your being as well, nurture that part of yourself Yes, definitely. Too. So I have two more questions. One is, are your books available on Kindle or, or Nook or Amazon? Oh, yes, absolutely widely available, Suzanne. They're available through Amazon. They're available through the book depository. They're available in ebook form through Kindle. They're also available, I believe, through Barnes & Noble if people want to go in and actually buy a hard copy, um, the, the book chain in America. So, yes, they're widely available. Sounds great. So those books, again, are The Zeta Message by Judy Carroll and Helene Kay, and Human by Day and Zeta by Night, written by Judy as well by uh, Granite Publishing and her website, UFO Gray with an E, info.com and thezetamessage.com. And if you would like to reach Judy, you can also via Helene on Facebook. That's Helene, K-H-E-L-E-N-E-K-A-Y-E -E -E on Facebook. Please do um, connect with them because I think what they're doing is, is really fascinating and wonderful. And this is the way that we should be focusing our energy is to doing the ceiling work. If you would like to get in touch with me also, you may do so at abductiawareness at gmail.com or visit my blog at abductiawareness.blogspot.com. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Judy. I really appreciate you spending this time with us. Thank you. Square.